Welcome. You're listening to the Beaver Dam Baptist Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. If you would like more information about Beaver Dam Baptist Church or have questions about today's message, please visit us on the internet at www.bdbc.org. Well, my time is limited this morning as well, so I thought I would attempt to pull together and further apply the two series that we have just completed. You will recall that we spent four weeks talking about wisdom. And specifically, we talked about the ongoing pursuit of wisdom that ought to characterize the life of every believer. We acknowledge, of course, that that pursuit of wisdom is intimately tied to our relationship with Christ because it is in Christ where we find all wisdom dwelling. And through this pursuit, our goal then was to apply wisdom to the daily decisions of our life because by the very definition of wisdom, it must be applied or it is no wisdom at all. And so we were seeking to make wise decisions something that all of us struggle in. Then, of course, we spent three weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, seeking not only to better understand the person and work of the Spirit of God, the third member of the Trinity, not in some kind of rank, but a member of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. But it wasn't just that we were looking to know more about the Spirit. We were seeking to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit on a daily basis. Phrases that we have heard in church all of our lives, and yet they often seem somewhat vague to us, and we have a hard time understanding what they really mean and how to put them into practice. And so I trust you can see how similar these two ideas are. Both work together in the Christian life to lead us on and to keep us on the right path of following Christ. And yet, if we are honest, we struggle with certainty over whether or not these things are operating in our lives. Am I making a wise decision? Or is this just me trying to get what I want and spiritualizing it in the process? Am I being led by the Spirit of God? Or are these merely my internal thoughts that I want to see played out and accomplished? And what makes all of this so much more difficult is the prevalence of abuses in these areas of the Christian life, oftentimes without meaning it. In other words, the the people who abuse it may not be doing so intentionally. For example, we have friends who seem to consistently say, well, God told me. And then they go on to recount exactly and specifically what it is that God told them to do or not to do. And we seem to think one of two things. Either we are skeptical that God told them that, or we begin to wonder, why isn't God telling me things so specifically? If they seem to hear from God on every decision that they need to make in their life, why am I not hearing that same thing? Or we talk sometimes about open and closed doors. If God opens the door, there's an opportunity, then that must be the leading of God. On the other hand, if a door is closed, there is no opportunity, then God has seen fit for one reason or another to have us move in another direction. 
And sometimes we talk about these things as if, if everything opens up and goes our way, that must be God. But if there are obstacles in our way, then maybe this is not the right path. But can it be true that God often puts obstacles and troubles in our way? That God's path doesn't necessarily mean that everything is going to be smooth? That in fact, he might want to have us go through some difficulties in order to teach us various things. Now, this doesn't negate the idea of open and closed doors. Paul talks about it. He talks about it on occasion about how the door of ministry was opened and therefore he went to share the gospel in this place or another. And on other occasions, he talks about how the door of ministry was closed and therefore that was God's leading to go somewhere else. But in those situations, Paul is talking about opportunities to share the gospel, whereas we are using those phrases primarily to talk about personal decisions. All of that to say, I want to talk this morning about God's guidance Understanding that this phrase encompasses both the wisdom of God and our pursuit of it and the spirit of God indwelling the believer so that then we walk by and in the spirit. I will be using several passages of scripture this morning, none of which will be on the screen. And so you do need to take your copy of God's word and first of all, be turning to Proverbs chapter 3, a very familiar passage of scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. I want to give you four statements this morning on God's guidance. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. You know these verses. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So first of all, I want you to see that we are guided by principles. I'm not talking about the men and women who lead our schools. That's the wrong word for principle here. I'm talking about principles that we find in the word of God. We see in this proverb that it is not our own understanding that is to guide us. It is not our own wisdom that we are to rely upon, but we are to acknowledge God in all of our ways, which implies the acknowledgement of his word. We've already talked in previous sermons, and Jake has mentioned it already this morning, the importance of the word of God in all of our lives as believers. And specifically in this circumstance, we've talked about how the word of God always comes in concert with the spirit of God. In other words, the spirit of God always leads in accordance with the word of God. Something I should not have to say over and over again, but nevertheless I do. Because those very same people who sometimes say, God told me, then follow that up by saying something that God has specifically said we ought not to do. That is, they sometimes talk about something that is clearly in contradiction to the word of God. And either they don't know it, or they don't care, or they assume their situation is the exception, and so they come to the conclusion that God has told them something different than what the Word of God says, which can never be the case. So just by way as a reminder, wisdom nor the Spirit of God leads us contrary to the Word of God. So if there is a specific command about something, then we already know the Spirit's guidance on this issue. 
Unless, of course, you don't know what the Bible says, and that's a, another problem as well. That is, if we don't know what the Word of God says, then we don't know that particular principle, and therefore we cannot apply it to our lives. So a lot of life is a matter of righteousness. And by that I mean that there are, according to the principles of God's Word, there are clear statements on what is right and what is wrong, what we ought to do or ought not to do, where we ought to go and what we ought to do. And when that is the case, the Spirit has already led us. The Spirit is already guiding us. You do not need to pray for, for peace. You do not need to pray for direction in these cases because the Bible is already clear. We are guided by the principles of God's Word into what is wise or unwise or where the Spirit is leading or urging us to avoid. All right, so what about the specific areas in our lives where there is not a biblical verse? That is, there is no stated principle for or against whatever it is we are trying to decide. Well, that leads me to my second point. We are not only guided by principles, we are guided by people. Now, sometimes we seek a sign. Everybody knows of Gideon's sign, the fleece. And so sometimes we take this unique biblical story and we say, that's what I want, God. I want you to show me something, anything that will let me know that I need to go this way or not go that way. And so we ask God for a sign in order to apply it and make a decision. Sometimes we say to ourselves or to others, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to make this decision until I have perfect peace. And that's rather subjective, isn't it? I mean, what is perfect peace? How will we know if we have it? And certainly it's going to differ from person to person, oftentimes just leaving us paralyzed and unable to make any kind of decision at all. But what is more reliable than these methods is to understand that God does use his people to help us make wise choices. In fact, this is one of the benefits of being involved in a body of believers, a church family. Other people who are walking in the spirit and with the Lord who can then help us and guide us into making the right decisions. Thus, we have the many one another passages in the New Testament. I told you uh, a week or two ago that the Holy Spirit is mentioned beginning in the book of Acts on through the, God, on through the epistles a lot of times. And a lot of those times when the Holy Spirit is mentioned, he is mentioned as leading through other people. Now this certainly takes discernment as well because other people are not infallible. It also means we have to be wise about who we consult. That is, we cannot simply consult anybody and everybody. If you are merely looking for another professing believer to agree with the decision that you want to make, I can promise you, you can find one. You can find one inside the church, no matter what decision you want to make. If you're looking for someone to come alongside you and simply agree, if you ask enough people, you're going to find someone. But that's not the right way to go about it. We must make sure that the people we are seeking wisdom and advice from are indeed wise and following the leading of the Spirit. So turn with me to Acts chapter 21. This is a very interesting situation here in Acts 21 that is going to illustrate my point. I trust that we have to be careful with who we ask for advice and we have to be discerning in the application of this advice. Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse 10. 
Now, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit. This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hand of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go to Jerusalem. They're referring to Paul here. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. Now, I've selected this particular passage of Scripture because it does illustrate the guiding of the Spirit through other people, while at the same time illustrating that we must be discerning in it. Paul, as you know, is on his way to Jerusalem. And this prophet, notice that it does say prophet there, this prophet named Agabus comes up to him. This is the same Agabus that we find in chapter 11, who in chapter 11 predicted that there was going to be a drought and a subsequent famine. And as a result, the disciples took his advice and they took up an offering for the believers in Judea who were going to be suffering from this particular uh, difficulty. So this Agabus, a prophet of God, comes up and he illustrates that if Paul goes on to Jerusalem, he is going to be bound and turned over to the Gentiles. And we know that is in fact what happened. But here's the point. When, when Agabus the prophet predicts this, Paul's traveling companions, who are his friends and co-ministers in the gospel, they all come alongside him and say, Paul, do not go to Jerusalem. We want to insist. And they would have said, no doubt, that they were being led by the Spirit of God. And they were saying to Paul, do not go. On the other hand, Paul was saying, I'm ready to go. And if I am bound and delivered over to the, over to the Gentiles, so be it. So how do we know when others are giving wise counsel and we should follow it? Or on the other hand, we might want to ignore it and stick to our own decision, which is what Paul does in this situation. These were godly people who were giving him advice. And he says, no, I believe the Spirit wants me to go on to Jerusalem. Well, to disregard others entirely is arrogant and unwise. We need to learn to grow and heed the advice of other committed believers. It is part of what it means to be involved in a church. Important decisions made in isolation, on the other hand, often wind up in disaster. Because God does guide us in paths of wisdom in part through his people. And likewise, we expect God to speak to us through his spirit, through the teaching and preaching of his word. Again, a word of warning here. Something someone else says never rises to the level of scripture. That is, this is not revelation we are seeking from someone else. And the same thing can be said of those inner promptings that we often talk about. Those inner voices are not on the same level as Scripture. Furthermore, someone else's interpretation of Scripture is not the same as Scripture. Because people can be wrong, including us, in the interpretation of Scripture. And so we have to be careful when we give advice to others. We have to be careful when we see, receive advice from others. When you give advice to others, don't make it sound like your words are the authority of God. And if they don't follow them, they will be disobedient to God. Humility is called for here. 
coupled with a bit of tentativeness. So in matters of judgment, that is, first of all, we saw in matters of righteousness, that is right or wrong, where the Bible states a principle, a command, then we know where to go and what to do. But in matters of judgment, when there is no biblical command, and yet one path is probably going to be wiser than another, God can and does use his people along the way. So number one, we are guided by the principles of God's word. Number two, we are guided by the people of God's church. And number three, we are guided by, now this one's going to sound a little odd. In fact, you might even think it sounds unbiblical. But thirdly, we are guided by passion. Now that word passion is usually a negative word. It's usually we, something we associate with, with something we want to do so bad, usually in a negative way that we've got to curtail our passions. We've got to control our passions. Well, that's obviously not the way I'm using the word. I'm not saying that the spirit of God is using your passions to lead you towards sinful things. I'm using the word passion here to talk about what we talked about last week. And that is that God has gifted us by his spirit. And as a result of our giftedness, we have passions for various areas of ministry. And God guides us in and through those passions to get involved in ministries where he wants us to serve and where he wants us to lead. And I remind you again that we have different gifts and therefore we have different passions. So do not judge someone else because they do not have the passions that you have and vice versa. We all have been gifted differently Therefore, we have different passions, but God uses those passions to get us involved in areas of ministry where we can most effectively serve. Lastly, we are guided by prayer. This is true in all three of the areas, or all, the, the second and third area, I should say. Remember, I said it's not in the first one. When there's a principle, we don't need to pray. You know, we don't need to pray when the Bible is very clear, do this or don't do that. But the other areas, we need to incorporate prayer in our guidance by the Spirit and the pursuit of wisdom. And the more we know Him, the more we know His desires. And the more we know Him and know His desires, the more our prayers come in line with His desires. And therefore, we more fully understand His leading and guiding in our lives. Uh, this too goes back to the Proverbs passage that I read er earlier. Acknowledge God in all of our ways, and that is done in part through spending time in prayer, and He will direct our paths. Or certainly I think of the passage in Philippians, I don't have time to turn there, but I, I think of Paul in Philippians where he reminds us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the result, he says, is that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And here we see that peace that we often talk about when it comes to making decisions. Well, I just want to have peace. Well, how are we going to have peace? Well, we must have peace through coupling it with prayer. That is, we're not going to have peace when we're anxious about the decisions we have to make. We're going to have peace when we seek God in prayer, and He, in turn, gives us that peace. But, of course, this can be taken to extremes as well. We don't pray about matters of triviality. I mean, we, we're not so spiritual that we pray about literally everything. I do not pray about which gas station to stop at and get my gas. 
I mean, that's just not a decision that I think warrants prayer. I just stop at the first one I come across, or I might look at the various prices. But we don't take this to extremes and pray about every single decision that we have to make. Making the major decisions in our lives is never easy. We are prone to doubt, and then we are prone to second-guessing. We want to make the right decision, and we, know, we want to know that we are being wise and being led by the Spirit, and therefore are in the will of God. We don't want to be rash in making our decisions, but neither do we want to be paralyzed by fear so that we never make these decisions. But an important thing to remember is that God knows your heart, which means He knows whether you genuinely want to make the right decision, or you're just trying to spiritualize or rationalize your, your own path. So if we genuinely want to be faithful, I think we can trust, again, Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. If we genuinely want to be faithful, I think we can trust that he is going to lead us down the proper path through the avenues we've discussed this morning. Plus, remember, God is a God who is able to redeem even our bad decisions and ultimately bring something good out of them. I'm not saying that those bad decisions are now good. I'm simply saying that God can redeem even our bad decisions and bring something good. Sometimes, of course, we just have to make the best decision we can with the information that we have at the moment. And then, of course, know that everybody else is going to critique the decision that we've made. That's just the culture that we live in. But no one is completely accurate in their decision-making. We all make mistakes. But if you and I are pursuing wisdom, the wisdom that is only found in Christ, and we are daily walking in the Spirit of God, better decisions will be the result. All of which flows from the best decision that we can ever make in our life. And you know what that is. It is the decision to repent of our sins and by faith trust in Jesus Christ. Giving our lives over to Him and therefore being led by him. Because nothing I talked about this morning is applicable for you until you first do that. You must make that all-important decision before you talk about making these other decisions. And we pray you've done that, and if you haven't, we'd love to talk to you about it. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for the wisdom that you give us in Christ. We thank you for the incredible gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit that you've implanted in the life of every believer. And Lord, I pray that every believer here or watching online genuinely has a desire to pursue wisdom in Christ and to be led or to walk by the Spirit of God. So I pray that you'd give us a growing knowledge of what that means. I pray you'd give us a greater sense of how to make decisions based on your wisdom and your spirit. And then we'd be obedient in doing that. And I pray as a result that our lives would flourish and bear fruit for your glory and for the spread of your gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.